Good morning, everybody. How are you all doing? It's the Lord's Day. It's the day the Lord hath made. Give me a minute while I get some of this stuff ready. A couple of things before we jump in. You know, Al Earhart is leaving Tuesday. Al and Connie are going to be pulling out. And I had lunch with him on Friday. And he's going to, actually, they're going to be here second service. I mean, if things still go as planned. Um, And he was intending to come like right after this service a little early so he could be here in the middle of time. So if you guys would like to, if you want to hang around a minute so you can talk to him and um, say goodbye or whatever, that's great. Jordan, we took care of the baby thing, so good job. Um, Here comes my assistant because I forgot something important. Thank you. Isn't she a wonderful assistant? Can we give her a round of applause? (laughs) Okay. um, Yeah, one other thing. Today is somebody's birthday. It may be more than one person's birthday, but I always try to get some kind of reference to Tim Wright in my sermons, or even if it's something that only he knows. Uh, Dear friend, and today he's uh, 52. Man, you are old. (laughs) <laughs> I only say that because when we play racquetball and the old guys have to go first, uh, I'm the one that goes first. So, But happy birthday to you, Tim. Um, you know, whenever I am going to get in the Word, it's always good, I think, to set the tone or set the mood. And one thing I do frequently or try to do regularly is just a, a way to, to invite God into my Bible reading so He can speak to me. Would you just turn to Psalm 119.18? I just want to give you a really good verse that's something I use sometimes as I enter into um, that time of prayer, and I mean just being in the Word. And this morning, actually, I'm going to ask for some participation. So, um, in your bulletin is a sheet that has some scripture on it. So one, if you could pull that out, because I'm going to be asking people from out there, from you guys, to, to actually read the Scripture for us out loud. When you do it, I'd like you to stand and read it. Um, and it's blank on the other side, because actually we're going to, this is like, this is going to be like a children's Sunday school. We're going to draw a picture together today. So that's what the other side is for. um, I've got the NIV. Would somebody who has a translation other than the NIV just stand and read Psalm 119.18? How about this? Any ESV out there? I'm sure there's an ESV. Uh Uh-huh, 119.18. I have NIV. Anybody have something else? NLT or Bob, what do you have, sir? NLT. Open my eyes and see the wonderful truth in your instruction. I'll do NIV. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. So, you know, it's just great before you enter the word. Uh, Even this morning as I read, uh, just last night, 
sorry, on the way home from somewhere, Carissa was, we were talking about David. And she's like, now who, who said he was a man after God's heart? And then we were talking about his screwed up life. <laughs> you know, like, wow, if he could be a man after God's heart, maybe there's hope for me, right? And she was just like, uh, you know, why, why, why was he a man after God's own heart? So this morning, you know, I open, I'm going through Samuel actually, and Lord, would you open my eyes that I see wonderful things in your law? And I actually saw one of the, the main reasons I think he is called that. Um, but just opening my reading with this scripture, I, don't, I use other ones, but can we just take a minute? And I would just like to invite everybody here to close your eyes or look up, whatever, and just say to God, would you open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law today? Lord, you are beautiful. Your ways are beautiful. Jesus, you are beauty incarnate. And just I pray that as we look at your word today and talk about an important truth, that we would, again, be drawn to the beauty of who you are and want to follow you more deeply. So open our eyes and our hearts today. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Okay, thanks for doing that with me. Um, so here's what I want to do first. I want to start by reading something that somebody wrote about me that was not very nice. Is that okay? And actually, I want you all to stand, and I want you to read it with me. Would you stand? I want you to read this thing somebody wrote about me. All right, we're reading out of Romans 7, and it was Paul who was writing bad things about me, okay? Here's what he said. I am a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do, I do. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the bad things I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. What a terrible man I am who will rescue me. And this is the word of the Lord. So you may be seated. Uh, can I read Eugene Peterson? Not a translation, just a paraphrase. But a lot of times the way he, write, he puts scripture just hits you kind of in the gut, right? Here's what he says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. Sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions. I obviously need help. I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. Something gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel and just when I least expect it. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? 
Uh, am I the only one here who, when you read that, you're like, man, that's me. I mean, don't we all understand deeply these words of, of Paul in Romans 7? So what I want to talk about today is the great conflict. Those of you who grew up in the 70s or 60s would appreciate this picture. I was trying to decide. I had Rock'em Sock'em robots at first, but like all my things were like 70s, 80s kind of stuff. But So the great conflict, uh, this is a really good picture, I think, of the truth of Romans 7, isn't it? This kind of this pull, this struggle um, that's going on. We could even call it the great civil war. Is Lori Tovar here? Yeah, there's Lori. You know, you asked me, the other day, what are you going to call this? I had no clue. And I finally said, well, the great conflict. And then after you got it done, put in a bulletin, then I'm like, you know, the great civil war is better. But anyways, it's too late. But there it is. So I want to talk this morning about the great civil war. I want to talk about this reality because um, I think this is an essential thing of walking with Christ is knowing this reality and knowing how to live within it. And, you know, if we talk about our great salvation, which we just sang about. That it's, it, there's three components to it. I, I, in the past, when I bowed my knee, when I accepted that relationship with Jesus to live under his reign, to make him the center of my life, I accepted him as my Lord and my Savior from my sin. That he saved me from the punishment of my sin. I was justified. That positionally, John's talked about it, positionally now I'm seated with him. I'm his child, forgiven. You know, I'm innocent. Um, and, but in the present, not only was I saved in the past, but I am saved from the power of sin. That's what Romans 6 is about. And Romans 8 talks somewhat about that. He saved me from the power of sin. That's when we use the big word sanctification. So that's practically, he has set me free from the power of sin. And that's the reality of being seated, the thing John was talking about. We're going to refer a little bit to that today. This being seated in him, part of that is, is he has set me free from the power of sin. It does not have to reign in my life. I don't have to say yes to it. Before I knew Jesus and was a new creation, sin is just what you do. It's, it's natural. But I don't have to now. It's not something that, is, that has the power over me. But we have to keep in mind that the future part of our salvation is we will in the future, when we die or when Jesus returns, we will be glorified and perpetually, from forever and ever, we will be saved from the presence of sin. And won't that be a great day when we don't have to say Romans 7 anymore? Don't you long for that? I think the longer you've lived in Christ, the more you long for the day that He will save you from the presence of sin. So the reality is, though I'm saved from the power of sin, sin is still what? Present. It's still present in me. And so that's this great conflict I want to talk about. When I first became a new believer, um, actually it was a pastor's son in town of the Southern Baptist Church. I, I became a believer in another church, but the pastor's son heard, he knew me, not even a lot, he just knew me. He heard I'd become a believer, and he came over to my house one day, and he said, now that you know God, you need to grow in Him. And if I give you a book, would you meet with me every week? And I'm like, I would love that. And this is the book that he gave me. And in the book, the whole, the outline of the thing is this, is the indwelling Christ controlling all, and then there's these five things you would memorize, these five headings using the five fingers. And look at number two, that second, the number two, it says what? Two, two natures. So this was actually early in my Christian life, this was a concept that I learned really early, that this is the reality and how to, how to deal with it. 
Um, in fact, when you get to that two nature section, this is the picture in the book. I mean, again, do you know what this feels like? <laughs> you know the tug, right? So this is really actually a very foundational thing. But, you know, I even find with international students who come from church backgrounds, a lot of them really don't know this well and don't know how to walk through it or deal with it. And so that's why I want to share it with you today. Now, it, it is, uh, here, let me, before I do that, I, this morning we are going to do drawing, okay? If you need a pen, I bet we got pens somewhere. Anybody, if you need a pen, raise a hand. Somebody will probably grab one. I don't know. I didn't tell anybody ahead of time. So I am going to do some drawing. I have to warn you ahead of time that uh, I, I was not an art major. I'm the furthest thing from an art major. So when I do this, please don't laugh. So speaking of drawing, we were in Philadelphia recently, Pat and I. Great place. We were in the historical area. We were walking by a shop, and I saw this in the window of the shop. You guys ever see Bob Ross on public TV do the painting thing? You know, and he just says, it, it's just so easy, right? right? Oh, you want to do the tree? You just do this, you know, duh, duh, duh. and it's this amazing tree. And then you do it, and it's just blah, 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 and it looks like nothing. And he's like, now to put to snow on it, you just do this, you know, and he does it, and there's this beautiful snow, and you do it, and it's just blobs of snow that cover the blob thing that was a tree, and it looks terrible, right? So anyways, he's come out, can you believe this? He's come out with a mug. Oh my goodness. Uh, and, and you're supposed to, you're supposed, look at, look at what he did on his mug. Look at the, can you see the beautiful mountains and the trees? So I'm supposed to, on this mug, I'm going to do what he does? Yeah, right. I can't do it on paper when I watch him on TV, much less a mug. So I actually tried, you know, here, oops, here's what it looks like. I need to steady my hand. There's my mountains, and it's got a tree on top, and there I am right there. That's my mug doesn't look like his. So anyways, that's, that's kind of a running joke in our family, especially my son about this guy. So are you ready to get in the Word now that I've done all that silly stuff? Okay, here's what I want you to do. We need to start doing some drawing here in a minute. Um, but before we draw, I want to uh, read Ephesians 2. So would somebody stand? And I want you to read the first scripture on here, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. Hmm. That is us before Christ, right? And this is a picture of me before Christ. So I want you to, if you could start drawing. I'm, I've got a little bit of a head start. but um, So we've got this ground with a house. And we've got a little well going, digging down into uh, the western, great western Kansas aquifer. And so here, before I know Christ, here's me. Um, should have brought something up here to kind of give me an armrest. Um, here's me. Boy, it is hard for me to, to have a steady hand. So, boy, this is going to be really ugly, but... Okay, there's me. And I've got this... Uh, I've got this bucket here. Try to draw a bucket. I told you I'm a good artist. Does that look like a bucket? I don't know what that is. But my life in Christ, my li I mean, my life before I knew Jesus is what he described here. And every day, I'm drinking out of this well, that, and this well is, is my selfish desires, 
and the world. And what was the third thing? I know you can't really read this. Satan, right? My selfish desires, the world, it's Satan, is the water I drink every day. It's that sinful self. It's the, what the Bible calls the old self. And I'm telling you, this is a polluted well, and we know it. Um, and it's just every day, the things that we value, my values, what I think, my thinking, my thinking, I'll try to think, my behavior. I had too much coffee this morning. My behavior. You're supposed to eat when you have coffee. Boy, that's really hard to read. That's values, my thinking. Everything is coming out of this polluted old self. Everything in my life is driven by those internal selfish desires, that old self, that old nature, the flesh, the Bible calls it. The world is putting all this pressure on me to live for the things of the world, right? That, that I, the pride of life, that I'm proud of everything I have, the, the lust of the eyes that, that I want everything I see, the lust of the flesh, the pleasure, whatever I want, whatever I feel, I just go after, right? That the world is putting that pressure, and Satan knows our own weaknesses, and he knows that sinful nature, and he knows my culture, and he sings, he sings into me those same things, and they resonate you know, like you sing and you resonate with a C on a chord on a, in a piano, and it resonates in my heart, and it moves me to do those things even more. This is my life before I knew Jesus. Um, this is the life I'm living. I'm drinking every day from this well. So I want somebody to read Ephesians 2, 4 to 5, because there is, there is good news. So who would stand? Gary, you stood on the last one. Why don't you stand and read Ephesians 2, 4 to 5? By his grace, by his mercy. Yeah, we, last week we did the communion. He gives himself, his body is broken, his, his life is poured out on the cross to pay for my sin, to bring me into right relationship with himself. And because of his love, and though I was dead in my sin, though I was dead, this was the spiritual condition here, is dead. Though I was dead, he gave me new life and he saved me by his grace. Um, these two guys I'm dealing with, you know, humans, we think so much in terms of religion. It's, and religion's about making bad people good. But in the Bible, it's not about making bad people good. It's dead people alive, very different. So I'm dead over here. This was my life for the first, you know, 16, 17 years of my life. I'm dead in my sin. And Christ comes and he saves me and I receive him. And he gives me uh, new life. Would somebody read... 2 Corinthians 5.17. Who would stand and read 2 Corinthians 5.17 next on the sheet? Wow. New creation, new life. So here's what I want you to do. We need, we need to draw, we need to put a new well over here, okay? Because now I have this new life. So, I need you to draw another well over here. Because suddenly there's this new source in my life 
that I didn't have before. And here I am, and now I've got to put that bucket in here. Got to put a roof on that thing. There's this new source that's entered into my life. So I need you to draw a new underground aquifer over here, an underground river. Too bad we don't have crayons, right? Can you imagine what my drawings look like when I follow that Bob dude, my paintings? Um, all right. So suddenly we have this new life we're told about. We drill down in, into this new well that we never had access to before. We are a new creation, trying to color in the bricks. 2 Corinthians 5, that was one of the first scripture that I, I memorized. In fact, when I did this study, that was a scripture I had to memorize on this lesson. New creation. I've got this new life. The Bible calls it the new self. So right over here, the new self. Second Corinthians 5, 17. And this, uh, well, before we get into that, let me, let's talk about this new self. Let's talk about that river, if you don't mind. Somebody, I want you to read John 7 and John 4. John 7 and John 4 would read that next scripture. Okay. And on the sheet, Jesus said, if anyone believes in me, rivers of living water will flow out of the person's heart, as the scripture says. And he was talking about who? Who is he talking about? Holy Spirit. So we need to put that here in this river. Rather than the sinful self, that my, those selfish desires and the world and Satan, I've got this, this new uh, life inside of me, and it's the Holy Spirit. So I want you to write him down here on that river. The water I give will become a spring of water gushing up inside of a person. It's like this spring that wants to gush up out of me. Isn't that a great, isn't that a great image? And this... Um, under here, I want you to write, this is pure. This is pure. Tim, would you do Galatians 5, 22 and 23? There is no law against those kinds of things. Amen. Thank you. Um, Wow, who doesn't want that overflowing in your life, those qualities? And that's what happens is when you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God comes inside of you. You become a new creation. You become a new person. And the Holy Spirit is this pure, you know, He is pure. And as He works in my life, I begin to have, we can write above here, I begin to have new values, new thinking, 
And as he works inside of me, he begins to change my behavior. And I become a totally new person. And this is what the scripture talks about. Jesus talks about if you don't know him, you're living in a false self. That when I come to know him, when you, he says that if you will, if you will lose yourself for my sake, then you will find yourself. It's, it's me coming to know my true self, who I truly was created to be. This is, this is the true self. That's why I love this image that John had of the chair, that we're seated in him. You know, like, it's kind of like, what's that mean? You know, I mean, how do, you, how's that, how do you live that practically? But I think the point of that language, and as he goes through Ephesians, notice how many times it talks about being in him, in him, in him. This is our true self. This is seated in him is who we are truly created to be. Not that old self that struggle, we struggle with. Not that old self. That's not our true self. Our true self is this, this self in him. And again, who doesn't want to live into that, the fruit of the Spirit? Anybody here like, hey, I don't want any of that stuff in my life, in my relationships, in my parenting, in my marriage, in my friendships at work, in how I deal with people? Um, okay. But, you know, it is a great civil war, so I need somebody to stand and read Galatians 5.17 to remind us of a really important truth that we all know. So who would read Galatians 5 for me? Yeah, man, I mean, this is what Paul said, don't you know it, that these two things are contrary to each other. They are polar opposites, right? They're polar opposites. And man, they are in conflict with each other. And don't you feel it? That's that great conflict I think we all know and we struggle with, we wrestle with every day. But this is the reality. When you come to Christ, you now have these kind of two things. These, the old self is not totally gone. We're not saved from the presence of sin. We are saved from its power. But, I mean, I'm telling you, it is still there. And I want you to, I want to, I want you to realize something. I mean, I'm sure you know this. But think of your own life coming to Christ, especially if it took you a while, like for me. You know, I lived almost two decades drinking from this well every day every day. You go out the door, and that's the well you're pulling from every day, every day, every day. And it becomes your habit, and it's just the way you think, and it's what you value. Do you know how hard it is to undo two decades of thinking and values and patterns and habits and all, relational things? Do you know how hard that is? I mean, this thing, it's a, it's a genuine struggle. Um, but our true self is this, this other side. So, Paul wants to say something really important about this struggle, because it's reality. So in Ephesians 4, verses 22 to 24, he, he kind of takes this further. So who would like to read Ephesians 4 for me? Wow. How's this new self? It's created to be what? be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's powerful. This new self is created to be like Him. But we're actually commanded by Paul something really interesting. He tells us, okay, with this reality, there's something I need you to do. And what he says is, is over here, he says, oh, I wanted to do that in black. Um, he says, put off this old self 
And what, what do we do with the new self? Put on. And we'll get there in a minute. And here's what that tells me. Here's what that tells me, really important. I have every day when I get up, I have a daily choice as to which well I'm going to drink from and which well I'm going to live out of. And so I've got this daily choice when I get up. Which well am I going to drink from? Because Paul says, hey, put off that old self, and I want you to put on. And it is. It's a daily choice. And in a minute, I want to talk more about that, um, what that looks like. So 1 Timothy 6.11. We need to do a little more with this diagram. Somebody read 1 Timothy 6. I know it's a little bit out of order. I'm jumping Galatians 5. We're going to come back to it. But I want to do the 1 Timothy 6.11 first. Somebody read, stand and read that one. This is the short one, so... This is, there we go. Okay, what, what's that first word, Tim? Pursue. I love that word, pursue. So here, I want you to do something. Um, we need to draw on here. We need to put a little hill here. Because I'm going to tell you something that's, that's just the, the plain reality. This putting on... Uh, as I'm filling in my little tree, I want, I want you to write down a couple of phrases. It takes work, and it takes, I kind of, my new creation was too huge. It takes intentionality. I love the word pursue. Pursue conveys to me intentionality, okay? Every day, I've got a choice to put on or put off, every day. Not just daily, I've got that during the day, but let's just take daily. And I want to be honest, to, to choose the new self takes work. You guys know this. Does it take any work to choose the old self? Take any work at all? Oh my goodness. Isn't, doesn't it feel like, I mean, again, what I just said, I, for, you know, for two decades almost, this was my default setting for two decades. It is so hard even with the power of God to overcome that. And if, if the truth is, is if you do nothing, if you do nothing, do you know which life you're going to, you know which, which well you're going to end up drinking out of and living out of? What would you guess? Yeah, out of that old self. You know, just yesterday I was out, Friday night, the kids were out helping, and yesterday morning, early before it got too hot, pulling weeds in the garden. Okay, how many of you garden? How many of you garden? I hated it when I was a kid, and then when you become an adult, it becomes great. And now my kids, oh, they love the fruit, I mean, the, the stuff that comes out of it, but man, the weeding's not fun, is it? <laughs> I mean, a garden, what, what thrives in the garden, the stuff you plant or the weeds? The weeds, oh my goodness, isn't that kind of, doesn't it feel like the spiritual life is that way? That what thrives is this old self, because if you just leave, if you leave your garden alone, what's it going to get full of? Weeds. If you leave your life alone, if you don't live with intentionality, and with some daily work, which again, we're going to talk about in a minute, guess what's going to dominate in your life, predominate? That old self. It, it, it just takes some work. You've got to get up, get out the house, and be like, okay, I've got two ways to, to, to kind of go today. I can either jump back into that old self, or I can do a little bit of work, and with intentionality, I want to pursue, I want to live out of that new well with the Holy Spirit. 
And again, in a minute, we'll kind of come back to that. But it does take work and intentionality. Let's get specific. How does Paul tell us, like, what's this life look like or this, this look like? So now I want to do the Galatians 5, 16, 24 to 25. So would somebody read off the sheet the Galatians 5 for me? I mean, that's pretty big, isn't it? Walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and if we do that, then we won't be gratifying this, this side. So it's all walking with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. And you're like, well, that's really ambiguous, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, my na- that's me. I'm like, you know, I agree. It's, it's the Spirit is so crucial. It's walking with Him. It's living by Him. And if I do that, I will be less likely to be gratifying these desires of, my, of this old self. Um, so part of the question is, is okay, because I'm a really practical kind of guy, is how? How do you walk in the Spirit, live by the Spirit? Can you, can you tell me how? And I want to give you, a, we're going to look at a scripture, and I actually want to give you a hint. Do you notice after that I put C Colossians 3.16? I actually preached on this a few years ago. In Ephesians 5, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, be being filled with the Spirit. In the parallel passage, exact same wording of the whole paragraph, except he makes one change. Instead of saying, be being filled with the Holy Spirit, in Colossians, he says, let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. So if you want to know what's it mean to walk by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, to keep in step with Him, it's to let the Word of God richly dwell in you. And I just want to hear from some of you. What would that look like? Give me some, some concrete things. If the Word of God richly dwells in you, that would mean what? That you read it? You, you, you memorize it? Yeah. Scott, you got it all. You ought to be up here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're in it. It's becoming part of you. It's becoming part of your, your blood. You're daily in it. And, and another one I would add is, is obeying it, obeying it. If you're not living it, it's, not, it's just going to be a head thing. It's, it's, it's obeying it, living it out. But I want to do one more scripture. I want to do John 15, 5, because this is so crucial, I think, in living this life in the Spirit. So who would read John 15, 5 for me? Oh, yes. I can always count on Gracie. I knew that one of these she would want to do. And good for her because she's like, if you abide in my, and in her mind she's like, what in the world? Like, where did Garen go to school? What kind of grammar did he learn? Gracie, you were right in your pause. And if you abide in me and I abide in you, then what? You'll bear much fruit. And where does the fruit come from, we're told in Galatians 5? 
the Spirit. So abiding in Him is, is to be walking, like to be living in the Spirit and guided by the Spirit. It's all, it's all the same thing. So I want you to write in this hill, um, it's, to me it's really, it's the John 15.5 life. It's abiding. You can write John 15.5 in here. Or you can write abiding or abide in Christ. It's that abiding in Him. Can you guys help me with this? What's it look like to abide in Him? Tell me. Just what are some, if, you wanna, if I want to abide in Him, what's that life look like? What kind of, because it takes work, right? It's, this isn't pie in the sky. It's re- concrete, it's daily choices I make. What are choices I make that help me to abide in Him? Praying, talk, yeah, that I'm, I'm, I'm talking to him, not just in a set time, but like through the day, right? Like Paul talks about praying continually. Being generous, wow, that's a great one. Having a generous heart, giving, serving, I think financially and with our, good, somebody else. Yeah, making the choice to think about him daily, which is when Scott said, you don't just read the word, you think about it. It's meditating, right? It's what I encounter that morning that I'm thinking about it through the day, okay? And I'm abi- so I'm abiding in Him. What else? Surrender. Surrender. Wow, that's a powerful one. Yeah, that daily choice, to me, first thing out of bed, like in the Word, but also first thing in the bed is this is your day. It's about you. It's not about me. I offer you this day, whatever you bring into it. Yeah, that surrender, I think, is huge. What else isn't part of the abiding life? Yeah, being grateful. Yep, having an attitude that all, He's sovereign, all things are from Him. God causes all things to work for my good, so being grateful in all things. Confession, confessing my sin to one another. That's scary. Yeah, fellowship with other believers. You guys are doing great. That's the abiding life. Um, just, can I just, uh, can I read something for you? Because I think this abiding is so important. I think it's the key to all of this, that daily choice. So, I actually talked about this a few years ago when I was talking about how to grow spiritually. It really is, it's all about exercises and environments. Spiritual exercises and then environment, the environments I put myself in. So, I, I regularly enter into environments and I engage in exercises so that I can encounter God and connect deeply with Him. That's really what it's about. It's encountering Him and meeting with Him. That's the point. I mean, in a minute I'm going to talk about moralism. It's not about moralism. It's about encountering Him. So when I am regularly engaging in spiritual exercises such as Bible reading, prayer, worship, the things we've talked about, surrender, gratitude, the other things mentioned, worship, I am, I'm placing myself before God and I'm making myself available to Him. Um, so, these spiritual exercises and the environments I enter into, they're the means by which I cultivate and nurture my relationship with God. They're the ways that I meet with Him. They're the ways that I open myself up to Him so His Spirit can have His work in my heart and in my life. Um, because the Spirit is the one who forms us into this new life and who empowers us. So, just that abiding is opening myself up to the Spirit. I'm saying, Spirit, I want your involvement in my life. I want to be led by you. I want to walk with you. And that's why Jesus talks about this abiding. Um, All the things we just shared, the giving thanks, I mean, coming to the large community every week, right? That's an environment. 
being in a small group environment. Somebody mentioned fellowship. All those environments, those exercises, they're part of the abiding life. Does that make sense? They're a part of that abiding life. And as I abide in Him daily, as I daily abide in Him, I daily choose exercises and environments that put me in that abiding life. As I daily do that, this new self will more and more predominate my life. It's not a guarantee. I'll finish with this in a minute. It's not a guarantee that the struggle goes away, but it will more and more predominate in my life. And I'm telling you, if you'll faithfully do this, if you'll just try daily to spend time abiding in Him and to make your day about abiding in Him through different practices, um, you will find the principle, the financial principle of compounding interest, that that actually happens in your life. I remember a few years ago, Scott in his office, I don't know, three or four, we were just talking and you just said, my, my walk with Christ is sweeter than it's ever been before. I don't know if you remember that. And just, you were getting so much out of your time with him. And what that was is that was compounded interest. You don't feel it for always, right? But that compounded interest of daily abiding with him, you more and more feel that new life living in you. Um, I think that's kind of what Scott was saying with me that day. Um, and can I, I want to be frank about one thing. This inner conflict, this raging civil war. Um, and I'm not trying to make a law here, okay, because this is not about the law, it's about spirit. But I do want to tell you something. If you're taking, if your abiding, taking God time is always at the end of the day, I think, uh, I, I'm not sure that'll hack it, because I think that's a little bit telling God, you're, a, you're an add-on to my life. I've been busy all day with me, and I'm going to add, tack you on at the end. I understand sometimes people are in situations where that morning thing is hard, but I'm, so I'm just kind of just giving a general piece of advice, okay? Uh, th- it's not a magic pill, but I really believe that when you rush into your day and your first thought is not Him, it's not surrendering to Him, it's not some of this abiding with Him, I think you guys know this, that old self will just take a hold of you that day. Don't you, haven't you felt that? Again, it's not a magic pill. Like quiet time, no old self. That's not what I'm saying, but it, it's just, it helps. So I want to encourage you, begin the day with him to begin the day. All right, so that's the diagram. I don't know, how's, how's it look? Somebody show me. I want to see a beautiful, I want to see somebody who like does beautiful things like, oh, Mel, that, I can't see it, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Aiden was, uh, Aiden, that's like an army. You were doing like a World War II thing back there. Um, no, it's a war inside. Okay, can we finish with a couple of scripture? I just, I love Romans 6.4. It's from the New American Standard. And would somebody read Romans 6.4 for me? This is a great passage. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's this chair. That's this chair thing. Uh, you know, as he was raised, so we too, we have been raised. You can't feel, I mean, I, it's hard to feel that, but I mean, it's happened. We're seated in him, and he's like, so walk in newness of life. Let us rise and let us live our new lives with him. Isn't that a great challenge for, for the week? Um, and then Second Peter 1, 3 to 5. I want to wrap up with this. Who'd like to do that?
dot, 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 dot. Okay. Yeah. This side, the new self, His divine power, He has given us everything we need for a godly life. We have everything we need. But it just doesn't happen magic. We have to do some things. That's kind of the point. That's why I'm ending with that. Just to remind you, it takes work. It takes intentionality. So that daily abiding in Him, that daily abiding. Let me just say a couple things I wrap up about this that I want to be careful about. Number one is moralism. Um, moralism is where sometimes, you know, we can hear really great sermons and they always have application and do this. And it gets to where I think we start feeling like, okay, if I just, if I do the three applications from that sermon, things will go well. And we can get into kind of a, a mode of moralism of like that the focal point of our Christian life is doing right. Um, I just want to take us back to this idea that, to remind you that this is not moralism, that that really it's about Jesus, okay? I hope I'm getting this point across well, that this new life is what He gave me. It's the Holy Spirit that is in me, who empowers me, who transforms me, who wants to live through me, and it is only in abiding in that relationship with Him that I am empowered to do these things, okay? So this isn't about moralism. This isn't about get up tomorrow and say, okay, today I'm going to be honest and pure and da, 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 and you're going about like you're trying to follow these rules. That's not the point. The point is today I'm going to get up and I want to abide with you so that you can live through me. Does that make sense? So it's not moralism. It's about a life with Jesus. It's that relationship. Uh, and it's also not about perfection. Okay, it's not about where it doesn't matter if you're living in this true self, you are still going to struggle over here. Just this week, something happened and I had thoughts and emotions just suddenly spring up within me that so caught me off guard and I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? And I, I try to abide in Him. I, I'm trying to walk in an abiding relationship with Him and that thing reared its ugly head and I'm just like, Lord... I am so sorry that's in there. Can you free me from that thing? So I'm not talking about perfectionism. I wish, and maybe sometime in the future, I want to talk to you about a spirituality of, of imperfection. Because I think we talk so much about, we have the ideal of the perfect in our mind, of becoming like Christ, that I think we feel bad when we struggle. But the truth is the journey towards eventual perfection, which will happen only at glorification, it's through imperfection. And the journey with Christ, it's full of struggle and suffering. In being in community, I, I bring my woundedness and brokenness into it with you, and community's never perfect. And even in my living out His mission, I feel so powerless and weak. So I think we need to learn to walk in a spirituality of imperfection. So please don't come from this feeling like, I've got to be perfect this week. That's not the point. The point is, let's abide in Him so that His life would come in us and we can walk in newness of life this week. So my challenge is, is go home. So, you know, stick this somewhere. Put it on your, on your table where you eat. Stick it on your computer. Put it in your car dash. Something. Just as kind of a visual reminder of, oh yeah, I want to walk in newness of life today. And, and it takes some work. It takes a choice. And I, that means I need to abide in Him today. So just, it's just a, it's a visual. To help with this concept that I've got two natures raging within me. And there's, hopefully this is a practical thing that you can put into your life to help with that. And so would you stand with me because I want to end with a prayer. And would you pray this together with me? Just make it something from us as a community. So, Father, thank you for new life in Jesus. We are grateful not only for the fact that you have made us 
a new creation in Him, but that you have also put your Spirit within us, setting us free to live in a newness of life. But we confess that we do not always avail ourselves of the full life you offer. We do not always walk in that newness of life. More often than we like, we walk under the influence of the old life, placing ourselves at the center of life instead of you. Lord, we long to live more consistently in the newness of life in Jesus. That is our heart's deepest desire. We want to live through you and for you. And above all, we passionately desire for you to be made famous through us. So we humbly ask, strengthen us with your grace so that we might abide more faithfully in Jesus by drinking deeply at the well of your spirit. Jesus, it's all because of you and it's all about you. And God's people said, amen. So, Lord, as we walk out of here, we do want to live in newness of life. Father, there are probably some people in here today who have really been struck, who have just been living in that old self for quite a long time. Even though they have received you and have the resources of that new life, they've been walking in the old. And, Lord, if you've spoken to some hearts today, I pray that you would help them to connect with somebody who can hold them accountable and they can begin that abiding relationship in you so that that new life can come through them. Empower us all, please, to walk in this newness of life. In Christ's name, amen. And you're dismissed.